Emily Mushinsky loves to dance and she loves to travel. In a previous episode, I asked her about dance and others can enrich and how others can enrich their lives by truly committing their hours and their energy to the creation of beauty. Today we're going to discuss how travel isn't just fun, it's life-changing. So here is a brief biography of Emily. She graduated from SUNY Purchase College with a BFA in dance in 17. In 18, Emily and her husband Nathan moved to Budapest, Hungary to train and perform with the Budapest Dance Theater. Since returning to Kansas City, Emily dances locally with the Owen Cox Dance Group, the Tristian Griffin Dance Company, and Storling Moves. She has her 200-hour registered yoga certification, and she regularly teaches dance and yoga classes around the Kansas City area. An adventurous person, she developed Blinkverse to continue the mission to integrate performing arts and the love of Christ. Today we're discussing her time in some really exotic places, Panama, the Netherlands, and India. If you've ever wanted to do something really bold, you'll love hearing from Emily. Hey, Emily. Hey, how's it going, Tim? Uh, life is good. Before we get into your exotic travels, let's get to your secret origin story in terms of travel and how travel played a part. So just what kind of a little kid were you? I was a little kid that could never sit still. So I would, I would always be running around. Um, my mom would catch me in trouble. One little fun story. I would go into my grandparents' room, find her lipstick, put it on, come back. My mom says, did you get into grandma's lipstick again? She said, or, and then I tell her, no, I didn't, clearly with bright red lips on. Um, so I was always looking for trouble, but I think that maturity has helped me to, to find it in a, in a positive way. Okay. So then as a kid, just a little kid, how did you acquire your love of travel? My family has always been traveling. Um, my dad is a businessman and he has been traveling since before I can remember. Um, he's in the military, so the first couple of years of my life, that he was still active in the military, but before I was born, uh, my parents moved around a lot. Uh, my older two siblings were actually born in Panama, which we'll, we'll get back to talking about Panama later. Uh, but yeah, so my family grew up going on road trips. I would always see my dad on, on airplanes, like all the time, <laughs> at least twice a week he would be flying somewhere. And yeah, it's just, it's been a part of my family. Now, some people prefer being there, like if they had teleportation mm -hmm. and they just hate the car or they hate the airplane or the train. And I, I'm just kind of wondering, where do you land? I love the process of getting there. Um, in really everything I do, I, I think about in dance, I like the process of creating a, a piece almost more than the actual performance itself. So in traveling, I relate that a lot. I like the process of getting there, the, the figuring out which way you have to go, which seat you're gonna take, um, how many different routes you can get there and just enjoying the way of, about it, not so much the destination. Although the destination is, is just as fun. Okay, so, I mean, we're going to get to India and a few other places. Mm -hmm. I mean, India is like, what, 9,000 miles away? I don't have a number, but it is pretty far. Uh, <laughs> Opposite uh, side of the globe. How long does it take to get there? A very long time. Um, a couple of different flights uh, we, we took, but it takes at least 24 hours just traveling in general via 
getting yourself to the airport, layovers, airplanes, everything. And and you like the airport. I love the airport. <laughs> I'm one of those weird people that just feels energized through being around an airport. What do you love about it? The energy of it. Um, in, in a sense, it's like a small city. So you get to see people from everywhere. You get to talk with strangers, which, again, weird. I like talking to strangers. But you get to hear all these stories. You get to see families interacting. You get to see just... It's, it's like a, a little microscope of society. Okay, and then the teeny tiny seats in the airplane that you're on for, I don't know, 12 hours yeah. to get to India? You're cool with all that? I'm okay with that, yeah. I mean, I have a hard time sitting still, but I don't know. It's fun to, to take a break from that. You get to feel like you're just in your own little space. You get all the little amenities. If you're on a long flight, you got the eye um, cover, the, the little snacks, like, it's fun. <laughs> okay. I, I guess there's not too much else to do. Whenever I'm on a plane, I think, you know, this is just a really good excuse to read a book. Yeah. Uh, and to do something like that where where you can't tell yourself, you know, I really should be up and doing a job. And so that's part of the thing that I like about it is that you're just basically forced to relax. Yeah, absolutely. So I... I can strike up a conversation with the person next to me and they can't really turn me away because, I mean, they're, they're stuck there. <laughs> so it's great. I said I like to talk to strangers. That is the perfect time to, to do it. So You know, it's true. It's true. Um, did you have an experience at that age, like young girl age, that just made a permanent impact on you? You know, I remember... Um, and strangely enough, walking right away from airports for a second, car trips. My family would do car trips a lot. Um, I remember going to Florida, and that was a long drive from Kansas. I think that we were, again, in the car for close to 24 hours. Um, and it was just fun. We stopped at a, a gas station, and we picked up a movie. And the movie was called Leo the Lion. That was the only movie we watched. It was in... The VHS form, we had minivan, all the kids were in the back, there's four of us, and we just heard Leo the Lion for 24 hours straight, and for some reason, I just have such a fond memory of that, because being stuck in the car together, eating Twizzlers, and <laughs> just going somewhere, um, and as a kid, we had no idea where we were really going, we knew Florida was the destination, but okay. it, it's just... It's about being being stuck with those people that, that I love and getting to experience the ups and the downs. So Right. Did you wind up close to your family or wanting to kill them? Yes. So <laughs> um both, um, at some time. So of course, as as kids we would we would fight in the back and um our parents would say, Hey, stop it and we would go through those, are we almost there? and everything. So of of course we got the annoyances, but all in all, like traveling, I'm, I'm a huge believer that traveling makes people closer. Um, I've gone with trips with complete strangers and then we end up being like a family. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that traveling has made us love each other more and just know how to take care of one another better. Okay. And it also makes people compromise with other people yeah, more absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, which character out of Leo the Lion do you relate to the most? And have you become that character? I mean, you got imprinted. You <laughs> saw hilarious. it 24 hours straight. That's hilarious. Well, you know what's funny? I don't remember the main character's name, but all I can remember is him. 
<laughs> him shouting at the beginning, um, Grandpa! Grandpa, I'm scared! And then Leo the lion jumps out of the bushes and protects him. So I'm not sure if I relate to any character in total, but I can definitely have moments where I'm waiting for somebody to jump out of the bushes and, and save me because I got myself in a bad situation. But I can also relate to Leo being the, the king of the jungle. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so then high school comes along, mm -hmm. and you know, you've said, oh gosh, I was like this rebel kid, but you also make great grades, so, so I guess maybe clarify, high school. High school. Um, high school, I was eager to get out of high school. Um, I shared in a previous episode that I had graduated a semester early, so I was always pushing to, to be somewhere else. And I think that that just kind of um, reflects my love for travel. Um, I would be going on auditions during high school. I have my dad to thank I was able to be his companion because he traveled so much on airplanes. So he could take me to Chicago for a weekend and I could do an audition for a summer intensive. So I was always ready for for the next trip, the next place to be. And I, I just kept looking for opportunities to get away in high school. And so in the meantime, though, you did maintain your good grades and things of like course. that. Of course, yeah, because I, I mean, without maintaining those, those grades and those, those higher marks, I don't think that I would have felt okay taking advantage of my, of my father mm. and his generosity. So, yeah, I... Okay. I had that responsibility. So always kind of on the road in high school. Always, yeah. Okay, and so then college comes along, mm -hmm. and then just in the context of travel, how do you change as a person? As a person? Um, you mean how has travel like impacted me as a person? Yeah, I, I'm thinking specifically in the college in years. College. Yeah, so college was, was awesome. Um, I started, I mean, I was out of state for, for college. I went to New York for college, and that in itself presented a whole lot of opportunities to be away and explore a, a brand new territory of the United States. You never have to go far to, to travel to experience new things. So that was amazing. Um, and I met a lot of different people from different places. We had exchange students that would come and I would learn about faraway cultures from, from them. Um, and then finally my junior year, I got the chance to study abroad for a semester in the Netherlands, which was just that really, really like shake, shook my world. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, why don't we hop into the Netherlands then, yeah. and we could talk about that. Um, why did you want to go to the Netherlands? Uh, what is the Netherlands all about? Good question. So, I have always wanted to go to Europe. I think that's something that a lot of um, Americans specifically, I'll, I'll speak for, for most Americans, Europe is just this, this magical place. And the Netherlands specifically is this place that's filled with like whimsy. You think about like the Delftware, which my cup right now, you can't see it, but it is Delftware uh, that I got from the Netherlands. <laughs> and it, it's just this place of, of beauty. You see all the tulips, you see Amsterdam with all of the... Um, uh, Rivers, where, why am I blanking on Is that? Is it windmills? No, windmills are also there, but the canals, the oh. canals of Amsterdam, there it is. Um, yeah, so Amsterdam was just a place that I was, I was eager to go, and I had heard people from the past that had been exchange students there just speak really highly of it in the culture, so. 
Yeah. Okay. How many people live in the Netherlands? Any idea? No idea. Okay. <laughs> no idea, Tim. I okay. Look them, okay. Uh, and are they pretty friendly when you get over there? So Dutch people are pretty friendly. Um, they're culturally, it's a little bit different. They tend to speak very directly. So it's something I noticed right away when I got there, Americans will speak a lot and then give you an answer later, whereas a Dutch person will give you a yes or no right off the bat. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. So you'll come up and you'll say, how are you doing? Me, as an American, I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm doing okay. I've got like all of this going on. And a Dutch person will say, I'm good. <laughs> and then you have to keep asking them questions. <laughs> like they don't elaborate or they get to the point immediately? They get to the point immediately. Oh, so okay. they will elaborate and they're, they're very friendly. I've never had a... a a bad experience with with a Dutch person. I mean, of course, I'm sure that some of them oh, sure. are are mean. Those are probably the ones who came to America. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So, so why why the Netherlands? You could have went to 193 different countries. Why the Netherlands? So, I didn't actually have 100 of a say. Um, the way that my school did it, we had to apply to go abroad. And then our dance faculty and staff would actually choose who would go where. Um, and the Netherlands was one of the most coveted places to go. So, of course, I applied for that. But, again, the importance of being a good student. They looked at your grades. They looked at your attendance and everything. And they, they chose me because they thought that I would be a good fit for that place. So I, I got in because they, they thought that I could excel there. So. Okay, so what did you do while you were over there? I, I danced. <laughs> Big surprise. Um, so there's a, a college there, a university called Code Arts, the School of the Arts. Um, it's a, a full college and everything, and I jumped in as an exchange student with the dance conservatory. So, okay. danced. So then for fun, what does a person do in the Netherlands? You can do anything. You eat food. They have um, these things called frites, which are basically French fries with this mayo dip. They've got Stroop waffles, which are these thin waffle cookies that are just to die for. They, they have just, just food. Um, and outside of that, I mean, you have bicycles. I biked everywhere because that's a huge thing about the Netherlands. Everybody bikes. Um, there's like biking garages. It's, it's really crazy. Um, you go to museums. Art is a huge thing. You go to the windmills, which we talked about, and you see just that natural beauty. Um, you travel to other countries because the Netherlands is smack dab in, in the middle there. It's easy access to Germany, to Belgium, to, to all of these different places. So, yeah. You just, you go. That's what you do for fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do you have a funny story from the Netherlands? Oh, I have many a funny story from the Netherlands. Um, something about biking, since we just brought that up. So, on the roads in the Netherlands, they have places for cars, but then they also have a special lane for bikes, right? And then another one for sidewalks. I was riding my bike, and then I took a turn. I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea where I was, right? So I turned into what I thought was the bike lane. It was not. It was the car lane. Mm. So I was riding in the car lane, and I just had people honking at me left and right, um, saying words that I did not understand. I don't speak Dutch. Um, I assume that they were not kind words. <laughs> but I was biking, and, and it probably took me about half a mile or so before I could figure out how to get myself back into the bike lane. It was terrible. 
Um, yeah, they also experience a lot of rain there, and there was one time where I got a flat tire during the rain, and oh, it, it no. was just one of those like horror movie experiences. <laughs> I'm on the side of the road, um, nobody's stopping to help me, and I'm just in my like sad looking raincoat with <laughs> with my bike on its side, and then yeah, eventually I had to walk the rest of the way, which was I think forty minutes. Oh, man. Yeah, it was terrible. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, how about an emotionally touching story? Yes. So, because I, I got to go um, to a university there, I, I made a lot of great friends. And um, there's this small group of friends that I, I fit in to just perfectly. They felt like a family. And we would go to their apartment and everything, just hang out, it, you don't have to do a whole lot of things that are special when, you, when you're together with people like that. So the very last day that I was there, right before I, I left, um, they had put together this like surprise um, party for me. They had taken all of these pictures, and on the backs of the pictures, they had written these inside jokes that we had had just throughout the semester. And uh, they sang to me, and they sang with me, and it was just one of the most touching memories I will, I will ever have. It was around Christmas time, so we had put together this gingerbread house, and yeah, so I, I will never forget. They, they're called the Essenberg Single People. That was the street that they lived on, so <laughs> and I still get to take that. I am happy to say that I stay in touch with each and every one of them. So they named cool. themselves the Essenberg Single People. The Essenberg Single People, yeah. Essenberg Single was the street, oh, and then they were the people. I see. Yeah. I see. Wow. Yeah. Um, over in the Netherlands, do you feel safe? I do feel safe. Um, yes. Uh, it's. I actually quite often got mistaken for, for being Dutch. Dutch people are very tall. I'm very tall. Um, they have uh, white skin, so I, I fit that complex. Uh, so being a foreigner in a place where you also look like the person that is foreign to you, mm. it, it helps a lot with, with safety. So um, one of my best friends, she was also an exchange student there. Uh, she was from Taiwan. She did not fit in, and that was something that she actually experienced. She did not feel safe all the time when she was walking around at night just because, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to feel safe all the time when you are feeling like you're exposed. Like she doesn't feel like she blended in. She doesn't feel like she blended in, no. But what's, do you know the actual crime rates or anything like that? Not, not where I am. I know that there were some, so I was living in Rotterdam. Um, I guess that's important to note. Um, Amsterdam is definitely a, a crazier place than Rotterdam. Rotterdam is the second largest city in, in okay. the Netherlands. And there are some areas of Rotterdam that are just, a, people would say, are a little bit sketchier. Um, but the areas that I was in were we're mostly, mostly safe and family-friendly. Okay, okay. Now, Amsterdam, at least back 20 years ago, I haven't read too much about it since, had this reputation as being, I don't know, on the cutting edge of drug use. Yes. You know, that just uh, space cakes, just every random thing that you could think of, and I'm, I'm, I have no idea what a space cake even is. <laughs> I was teaching college English, and students were writing papers saying, well, why can't we be more like Amsterdam? Yep. And I was like... <laughs> What's Amsterdam like? I don't even know. So I, can you speak to that just a little bit? Well, Amsterdam is very liberal. Um, 
basically, it really is a, a city where anything goes. I mean, prostitution is, is technically legal. Okay. Um, so that, that in itself is a, is a, a thing. Um, drugs, everything that is not, like, really hard, like, we're talking, um, like, heroin, and, uh-huh. you know, those things are not legal. Okay, so <laughs> but you, anything else I can't is, buy heroin in Amsterdam. Well, you, I'm sure you can. But, but you, not you legally. You have to find the right connection. Right, 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 right. Um, but, but legally, they have um, coffee shops. When you go to a coffee shop, it is not a coffee shop. It is a cafe is where you will get coffee. Coffee shops are actually, um, like, I guess, marijuana dispensaries. Okay. So I made that mistake a couple of times where I would, <laughs> would ask some friends, like, you guys want to go to a coffee shop? And they're like, oh, you smoke. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I don't actually smoke. Um, and they're like, oh, well, you mean a cafe? I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. I, I'm starting, the gears are turning. Cafe. So, yeah, it's, it's very accessible. Um, Anything. So. And that's, I don't know, one of the cool things about traveling is just seeing that, well, it's different. It's mm-hmm. just difference in different places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there a person in particular who just really stands out that you met? That I met? Um, yeah, I, I mentioned her briefly, but Ian is uh, my friend that I met from Taiwan. So she and I basically became sisters. Um, she would come over to my apartment. We would stay there for a night. I would go to her apartment. I would stay there for a night, and, and we basically became roommates. It was it was really fun. Um, but yeah, she and I were inseparable. She, we became travel buddies, so we went to Ireland together. We went to Prague. We went to um, Switzerland, and we just yeah, we were really attached to the hip. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it was. It was. And well, it sounds like you maybe had a lot in common with her. We did more so the, <laughs> as time went on and we got to share some experiences but yeah um she she and I just really connected she's one of those like soul sisters <laughs> that, that I've met throughout my life that's awesome yeah. just absolutely awesome um are you happy you went oh, 100% what is something about the Netherlands that people would just never guess not in a million years mm, I really cannot stress enough the, the bikes. So at the central station, there is, there's a car garage, but there's also a bike garage where you go down the stairs underneath the Rotterdam central station. And there are just hundreds of bikes parked. And these are two, um, two columns. So there's a whole row on the bottom and then there's a whole row on the top where you pull down the bike rack, you put your bike, it's, it's ridiculous. So um, if you think that you're a biker or you've seen a lot of bikes, but you've never been to the Netherlands, man, it is it is out of this world. So you really don't have to drive to get places. Everything is kind of within reach, like grocery store, just everything yeah. is all bikeable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So okay. the entire city is, is based around bikes. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So that's pretty cool. Um, do you want to talk about India next? or Yeah. Okay, let's, let's talk it. about India um, why did you go to India? So I actually went to India. Um, my, my dad is a, a global missions pastor at our church, Journey Bible Church here in, um, Olathe, Kansas. Okay. Well, I'm in Overland Park, but in Olathe, Kansas. And, uh, Journey partners with, um, India Gospel League, which is, um, an organization that their, their mission is to, to bring, um, the gospel throughout India. So they, reach people 
all across the country and it's it's basically phenomenal <laughs> what, what they're able to do. So we went there um, for a mission trip and we were actually teaching youth pastors some tools of discipleship. Oh, very cool. How long were you over there? About two weeks. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, what is India like? India is so different. Um, <laughs> it's so different. There were a lot of people. That is that is something. So Amsterdam has all the bikes. India has all of the people. You look around and you just cannot see anything except for people. And cows. Um, something that <laughs> I, I really noticed right off the bat. Um, cow is my favorite animal. animal. Um, there's some stories behind that. But um, you walk around and they, they don't eat cows in India. Um, it's They're a sacred animal. And they are just walking on the streets. And you can't move them because they're mm. sacred, right? Right, and so, they weigh like 1,500 pounds. Exactly. But you will just see them stopping traffic, but it's you just have to wait. you got to wait for the cows to go. Um, so it's it's phenomenal seeing all of that. And just the, the rush of energy, everybody's going, everybody's honking horns because traffic is, is, is crazy. But... Yeah, and then, of course, you get all the smells of curry and, and spice everywhere, so, yeah. Wow, it sounds like sensory overload, it to is, be honest. That's a great way to put it, actually. So, you get off, um, or out of the airport, I suppose, in the airport, again, airports are, are very um, global and international, but you walk out of the airport, and it is just, whoa, like, hopefully you've, you've taken in enough oxygen, because you, you're, you're just going to be blown away by by everything that you see, smell, everything. Do you smell curry on the streets? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And which city did you go to? We went to a couple of different cities. So we went, um, I do not even remember the names. Uh, Bangalore was, was one of them. New Delhi, of course. Um, Mumbai. Mumbai, we did not make it to Mumbai. Okay. But... Um, and then there was one in the north. I don't. I don't remember the the name of Lahore. it. Lahore. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just randomly saying the names of cities in India. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, but but we we traveled about a little bit. Okay. Were the cities different from each other? Yeah, each city was a little bit different. So you'll see um, in the northern part, it's a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say rural because it's uh -huh. still um, industrial, but uh, New Delhi, for instance biggest city um it's there's a lot of infrastructure there you see the tall buildings you see everything but if you go out you'll see more um people on the what, what rickshaw rickshaw thank you so much so you'll see more of those and less cars but still a lot of cars so it just depends each, each city does have its own um vibe so to speak to it. Okay. Okay. So when you're over there for <laughs> two weeks, um, just tell a memorable story. Yeah. Let's see. So <laughs> I will never forget a little motorcycle. And this is a very short story. Little motorcycle. We're in a van. We look to our right. There is a full family of six on one motorcycle and a washing machine. What? Imagine that. I, I They were stacked like they were in a circus. I don't know how they did it. Um, the the sheer sense of balance on that was was phenomenal. But um, so in, that's just something that's very common. You you make things work when you're in India, and that, that's they sure did. You know, when I was a kid, India was one of the poorest countries in the world, and I think in the last thirty years, it's really come up. 
-hmm. it's really come up a lot. And so when you're there, I've read or heard that it's just a gigantic blend of middle class and poor and rich. And uh, some people will insist that India is the most diverse nation on earth, actually, that the United States is second Mm -hmm. in terms of diversity. And I'm just kind of wondering, what what are your thoughts on the, I don't know, the upper, middle, and lower classes and the diversity? Yeah, well, that's really interesting. um, We we did stay at nicer hotels while we were there, as well as um, some not-so-nice hotels. But around the nice hotels, you would have this very clearly gated area. You know, imagine just green lusciousness on the inside. Outside of that gate, you see everything is just dirt. Mm. There's people that are clearly just just very very poor. Um, so it, it's very shocking, um, specifically as as an American coming there, because we we have this idea that everybody should be equal, right? Right. Um, but going there, you get this just stark contrast between this person that's standing outside of the gate of this super lush green space so right the, it's it's night and day you can see it just driving down the road walking down the road you you see it um as far as the diversity goes i mean oh i don't i don't remember the specifics but there's a crazy number just language alone right so many different languages and i remember one presentation that we were given um we had to <laughs> translate i would speak in english somebody would translate into another language that person would then translate into another language. Oh my so gosh. imagine just the the sheer like taking all of that in, going through through that much. It, it, it's just a lot. So yeah, you get to ex- experience that, and then yeah, yeah. I think that's all I have to say about that. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. overwhelming. <laughs> okay, a uh, funny story from India. Funny story. So there, there's <laughs> a dear friend that's down there. Um, he, no, I don't know if I should tell the story, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to think about something else. Um, Indians love, uh, okay, I'll start over one more time. Um, we went to a, uh, McDonald's there, okay. right? And it's very different, right? Again, they don't eat meat. Right, so there's no Big Mac. Mac. There's no Big Mac. Okay. There are, uh... I don't remember what they call it, but like big chickens or something. Okay. Like so everything on the menu is just really different and they have, um, everything is spiced with curry. So you'll eat a chicken nugget, but it also tastes like curry just because that's how right. they adjust it to, yeah. to um, the culture. So I think that that's really interesting. Chicken um, curry nuggets. Chicken curry nuggets. Yeah. Okay. They were not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a huge curry fan myself, um, I but... But yeah. You went all the way to India and ate at McDonald's. I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's one of those... I mean, you got to try it, though. Um, I'm not a McDonald's fan to begin with, but yeah, that was... I was overtaken by the group. <laughs> Is there a person you met over there that you're always going to remember? Of course. Um, I will say his name uh, just for, for any security things, but uh, he was one of the pastors there. Okay. And he is just so so loving and so peaceful and um, he just has such a heart for for serving serving his community so that's and his nation. Awesome. he's so committed to to his nation which is is just wonderful. just super committed to india yeah yeah that's awesome so. that's awesome um okay did you feel safe over in india because i was with a large group yes i did but if i were to walk the streets alone i don't think that i would feel safe um, there's just a lot of 
again, um, it's There's just very different. So many kinds There's of so people. There's so many different kinds of people. Because so. every city is crowded. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I hate to say it, but um, a lot of the people that are poorer do see people, specifically white people, that come in and they have money, or at least they are assumed to have money. So right. You are not not attacked, but you you will be surrounded by people that are asking you for money, and it's just an uncomfortable situation, specifically as a woman, also to be in. Mm. Um, I had to be very careful about what I would wear. Um, I had to be very modest. I had to cover my legs. I had to cover my um, shoulders. Oftentimes, my head. It, it's just it's a different culture. Gotcha. Yeah, you got to be respected or okay. respectable. Respectful yeah. <laughs> to, to that culture. So, did you have any interaction with Mother Teresa's missionaries or organization when yeah. you were over there? You did. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, well, it's it's just amazing. We we would go into um, there's the specific Catholic retreat center um, that the center was um, built to support retired Catholic priests. Okay. So, they don't have very many people that, that go there, but they're able to host events such as us going down there to teach um, the, these discipleship principles. And um, the groundskeeper of that facility was just a wonderful, wonderful mm. Christian man. And he was just so open to us. And, um, oh my goodness, just the, the generosity that he gave to us. Um, everybody was able to stay on that campus. There were maybe a hundred something people that had traveled many, many miles to that convention, and I don't know, he, he was one person, um, there's another guy that, um, if you've ever read, um, if, if you're familiar with, uh, the New Testament, Paul, where he is, uh, persecuting Christians, and then he gets stopped on the, the road, and, um, is blinded, and is converted, there's a man that has a very, very similar story to that. He what? used to be a person that um, was persecuting Christians, and then he ended up um, becoming a Christian himself. And so now his heart for, for Jesus and for the gospel is just, like, out of this world. Wow. Um, and so it's amazing just to, to meet all these people, because oftentimes I feel like um, we get so distracted by things like technology that we don't we don't stop and we don't take that time to to really listen to to what God is telling us. But mm. I don't know. In India, there are, as overwhelming and sensory as it is, there's also a lot less um, access to technology and things like this, unless you're in that upper, upper class. So Gotcha. Yeah. But it's is the upper crowded. class spending all of their time staring at their iPhones? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's likely. <laughs> but... Yeah, I didn't actually work um, very closely with that many people in the upper class. It was mostly in that lower class, actually, that I, that okay. I got to meet people. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. So the Mother Teresa of Missionaries and Organization was just... I, it's been a very powerful thing for some friends mm -hmm. that I've, I've had who have gone over there and yeah. maybe spent like a week or two, and they would do a lot of physical labor as mm -hmm. part of what they would do, and then later they might do things like kind of a hospice mm -hmm. type of a situation, yeah. you know, where people are dying and they would tend to these people. Yeah. Did you have interactions with the people that they were helping? Um, not, not specifically. So we were just down there for, for a very different type of trip. Um, it, it was more of a, a teaching and less of a, a hands-on um, work, work type of trip. 
Um, so I didn't get any interactions like that, no. Of all the places you went to in India, where would you like to return to the most? I really think that I would like to go back to New Delhi um, just because I don't think that you could spend enough time there and see it all. <laughs> um, it's, it's just such a big, overwhelming city. I mean, you can spend three hours in traffic traveling like less than five miles. So oh my if gosh. you could just spend a lot of time there, you could get maybe 10 miles and see just a little bit more. So, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a very busy city. Is it comparable to anything in the United States? No. Okay. No. I mean, I lived in New York right outside of the city for a little bit. It's nowhere close. Nowhere. Okay. Okay. So comparing them is, it's not even apples and oranges. It's mm -hmm. like apples and, I don't know, elephants. Like asparagus. Something yes. like that. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Still vegetation, but, <laughs> but very different. So far apart, just yeah. forget it. Yeah. What, what is something about India people would just never guess? They are just, I don't know, they're very loving. I've, I've. They're, they're very hands-on, too, so um, it's not uncommon to see anybody walking down the street just holding hands. It doesn't matter if you're brothers, if you're sisters, if you're friends. Um, here, we tend to think of hand-holding as either um, significant others or just... Parent-child. Like, Parent-child, exactly, but there, it can be literally anybody holding mm. hands, and they're just very close people, um, and that's just different to see because I feel like... In America, we like our elbow room, and there is no space for elbow room in India. So, yeah, if you're sitting down on a bench, somebody will come. It doesn't matter how much space is on the bench, they will sit right next to you. So it's just, it's different. And They just snuggle right in. They just snuggle right in. They're, they're very comfortable. <laughs> I, I've read about that in context of other cultures, that that's yeah. very jarring for Americans at first. I mean, yeah. was this jarring? How long did it take before you got used to it? And did you embrace it? At the end. <laughs> yes, so I I don't mind people being close to me. Um, it, it was a little bit shocking just because I'm used to it being my friends or, or people that I know, not so much strangers, but um, it, it didn't take very long for me to get used to it, but I do know my family is not so keen on, on people sitting right by them, so um, yeah, it, it took me not so long, but it took them, I don't think that they're still used to it. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let's shift over into Panama. Mm -hmm. Tell me just a little bit about Panama and why you went there. Okay, so Panama is um, it's Central America. It's that last country at the peninsula or the yeah at the bottom of Central America. Yeah, bottom of Central America, like right a, before you meet. It's um, attached to Colombia. Colombia, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so you got rainforest. That's a huge thing to know about Panama. Um, there's just humid. It's hot. There are two different seasons. It is dry or it is rainy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. There are so many different like wildlife. It's not uncommon to see sloths. Um, they have the Panama butterfly, which is just this beautiful blue butterfly mm -hmm. uh, with black around the wings. Um, yeah. So nature is, is huge there. Panama city is a booming city. I think that at one point, maybe not anymore, but they had one of the tallest skyscrapers. They have tons of skyscrapers. They, they love their, their tall buildings. Um, They're they, really built up, it sounds like. They really are. They really are. Yeah, so it's, it's a beautiful place. And um, I guess what brought me there, uh, going back into my family history a little bit, I told you my dad was stationed in Panama for two and a half years, I believe, in the Army. Um, my older two siblings were born there. And he just 
he fell in love with the country and he had always wanted to go back but didn't know when a good time would be. And then he ended up um, going into global missions and he contacted randomly this guy that lived there that had just started a um, Panama Mission Foundation is the, the organization and this guy invited him down and that started Panama missions um, for, for my family. So my first trip there, I was about 14, I believe. And since I've been at least 10 times, maybe. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of times. Um, but yeah, it, it really has become a place where I go and I, I just feel like I'm at home. So, yeah. Are you traipsing around in the rainforest when you're there? I actually am, yeah. So there's this little um, town, village called Union Centennia. And we, that's where we stay. So the first time that I was there, I stayed with one of the people in the village um, in their, their hut. So they have a dirt floor, a um, couple of walls made out of mostly wood, and then a wooden, very rickety, it's, it's, it's scary to be up there, um, <laughs> uh, second floor. And then there is like straw on the roof and tin tin and straw on the roof and that, that's what you sleep in and it's you cannot get closer to the rainforest than being surrounded by monkeys and everything there's crocodiles in the river like it's it's the real the real deal do you get worried about getting eaten by mosquitoes yeah I, okay <laughs> i definitely worry about those um as far as the crocodiles and stuff go um don't go into the river specifically at night or when you're alone. Um, other than that, I don't really have too many worries. But it, we have seen them. <laughs> is the river like perfectly calm, like like glass, and then you step in and then there's a crocodile? How does this work? <laughs> no, so um, it's it's really interesting. So how we get to this village, we you cannot just drive there in the rainy season. In the dry season, you can because the roads are opened up. But to get there, you have to actually go out from Panama City. You take a boat about, I'm going to estimate, about an hour. And then you have to change boats, get into a smaller boat, go down the rivers, oh wait gosh. for the tides. That's really important because if the tides are too low, you can't make it. <laughs> if the tides are just right, then, then you'll be fine. And then I think in total, um, sometimes it can take up to like six or seven hours to make it. And yeah, so... The rivers are really important because they're changing all of the time. Um, they can be rushing when there's a bunch of rain, or they can be dry. So. But when you're when you're taking these rivers, do you see crocodiles? You have. I, I have before. Yeah. See, that would make me very nervous. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm not completely calm <laughs> when, when I'm looking over and seeing seeing a crocodile. But um, for the most part, you see them at least. Like they'll be they'll be sunning themselves on the the um, land while you're in the water, so that makes you feel a little bit better. And you're not the only one in the boat either. So okay. I, I'm surrounded by people that have done this for their entire life, um, and that's their home. So. I mean, what's important? Do you have to just be faster than the other people in the boat in case the crocodile comes? <laughs> well, I I can't say I I can speak from experience, so. Um, I would guess so, but I there is no way that I could outswim a crocodile. So I, I think that I would just be dinner. But yeah, I'd have to just succumb to that fate. Did you eat any crocodile when you were there? I have not, but they do. So okay. I didn't get to, but but it 
it's not uncommon. Huh. No. Maybe you can get some here or something. I don't know if it's for sale or yeah, if you have any desire to, to eat. one of those like exotic farms where they have the jerky of ostrich and I don't know. Right. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you go out to the little village and it takes, did you say like six hours to get there? It can take a long time. Okay. Yeah. Then how about the monkeys when you're there? The monkeys. So it's, it's really fun. Um, something that you'll see is howler monkeys and my husband, I just have to put this in there. He does the best howler monkey impression. Mm. Um, like, to the T, you think it's a monkey. Uh, we actually fooled uh, one of the missionaries there. Nathan was out there. Nathan, my husband, was out there doing this howler monkey impression. And she was like, I have never heard one this close before. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that was great. But, yeah, you can see them all up in the trees. And there's a lot. But, I mean, they, they move in families. So What are they like? The monkeys? Yeah. Oh, just fun. A little bit scary, too. Okay. Um, I would never get close to a monkey. Um, they, yeah. I think they're very territorial. Okay. Um, I'm not a monkey expert, but I'm pretty sure they're very ter- territorial. And the howling that they do, I'm assuming some of it's mating calls. Some of it is um, just... Stay out of, get off my yeah, lawn. Yeah, exactly. So, the, the, <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're too close. Please go away. Um, but... A little bit more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm just trying to figure out, are they like friendly little cute monkeys? Like no. <laughs> Curious George? Or are they more like uh, Wizard of Oz? We're here to tear out your eyes monkeys. I would definitely put them more in that, that second category. Yeah. The Wizard of Oz monkeys. That, that sounds about right. Okay. Crocodiles and monkeys and anything else? Um, I mean, there there's a lot of things that are out there. I haven't, thankfully... There's a lot of big cats. Um, I I don't want to ever see one of them, but I think jaguars are, are common. Okay. Um, yeah. A lot of things that I just wouldn't even know what the names are. They've got snakes. Uh, How do you stay safe in this environment? I mean, just all these <laughs> fantasies people have about, let's get back to nature. Yeah. And here you're just describing, you know, monkeys and crocodiles and jaguars. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, I, the village that we, we stay in, they they take care of the land. That, that's what they do. So they have things cut down by their homes. So, I mean, if you're a wild animal, you probably don't want to come out into the open unless mm. you're, you're really dying for, for some food, something like that. But um, So, yeah, and, and being together in a community, too, a wild animal most likely is not going to come to a community of, what, 500 something people okay. uh, to, to be there. So yeah, just don't go to the rainforest alone. Gotcha. <laughs> Always go with multiple people. <laughs> Did, do they have like hiking where people can in a group hike through the rainforest? Um, I'm sure that they do. The place that we go is, it, it's not a place where people go on tours. Uh, it, it's really is an isolated part of the Darien rainforest. So yeah, but I, I know that you can go and you can like, um, zip line through the trees and oh, the okay. and things. I okay. haven't done it, but I'm, I'm sure that it would be enjoyable. Okay, 10 trips to Panama. Um, gosh, what stands out to you the most about Panama? I, you've just described two very different Panamas to mm-hmm. me. There's the city, which is very modern and built up. Yeah. And then there's the, uh, the, the rainforest area, yeah. you know, where you have wild animals. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I, I told you it was like a, a second home. It really really is. I mean, we wake, <laughs> waking up in the morning at the crack of dawn 
because you hear roosters crowing, which sometimes will crow at the worst hours. You'll hear them at like mm. 8 o'clock in the morning. But just seeing the sunrise, seeing the trees, it, it's the most beautiful place I've ever been in the world. Um, I, I love, <laughs> I love Panama. And I, if I could live there, I, I totally would in a, in a heartbeat. I would move there. So, yeah, I, I just love it. Is there a person that you met there that just really stands out? Yes, her name is Cecilia. Um, she is the granddaughter of a couple of the elders in there. And uh, she actually just messaged me. She just got a Facebook and she messaged me the other day. And she just had a baby not so long ago. And she's doing well. She's learning English. And I'm trying my best to learn Spanish. I'm not good. Um, so our communication isn't like super in, in detail, but it's, it's just nice to know that there's somebody out there that's she's praying for me I'm praying for her and we we just love each other and she's she's another sister I got a lot of sisters yeah <laughs> all across the world all across the world yeah you got your own little United Nations going <laughs> on there well if Panama is the place that you would live um how did Panama change you as a person yeah um so and, and I think that so Panama is one of those places where I am able to connect with God unlike anywhere else. Um, I just, I feel, I feel inspired by the nature around me, by the being so far removed from everything, technology. They just got internet in there not that long ago. So mm. it, it really is way at the ends of the earth, you know? It's going to be all downhill for the people in Panama now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Once they get that internet. <laughs> I know, I know. It was crazy to see um, just throughout the years of going down there. First time there was nothing. Second time somebody had like a satellite. And then the satellites just kept going up in the village. It, it was amazing. I know. It's like seeing one of your cousins every three years. And you're like, yeah. they grow a foot every single year. I you know, know, I know. I can't keep up with the development. But um Anyway, yeah, I forget the question. <laughs> uh, just how did Panama change you as a person? Okay. And I think you were saying that you just felt closer to God in yeah. Panama than maybe any other place. Yeah, ab absolutely. So um, my my love of dance actually is closely connected with Panama as well. And actually the foundation of Blinkverse, Panama is where I, I got inspired to have that oh, idea. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I started when I was 15, teaching dance classes in Panama, in the village where, where we were working. And it was a great way to, first of all, keep the kids occupied while my um, parents and older people on the trip were, were teaching classes and stuff. And I would be in charge of the vacation Bible school. And what do I know how to do? I know how to dance. So we would put on dance classes. And it would be just so humbling because I didn't speak Spanish, they didn't speak English, mm -hmm. so learning how to keep a group of 20-something kids occupied without knowing how to speak to them was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Um, how do, look, I've, I've been a teacher yeah. for 30 years, how do you do that? You move, you just dance, and you you just like encourage them with your hands to, to, to do what you're doing. Do, do you line them up in rows and columns? I, I line them up the best that I can. The thing that works the, the best is just a big circle. So okay. you are all together in a circle. You're all facing each other. I put my hands on my hips. They put their hands on. It's like a big game of follow the leader. I see. Um, but 
I I just felt so inspired by just being being able to be out of my control and just trusting God that this is going to happen. How, how old were the kids? The kids ranged from like three to to probably my age to fifteen. And so they was, they followed along. They followed along. It was unbelievable, and um, that and that's why I'm such a big um, like advocate for for arts is because how what a better way to bring community together than to be together in a way that everybody can understand. Whether that's through painting, you're painting a picture together, you're you're moving together. I mean, performing arts specifically, if I can get 25 people together that don't speak the same language, but yet we're all engaged in the same kind of activity, what a, what a like fantastic thing that is. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, just a great way to... Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, so Blinkverse was, was born just because I felt that just calling that this is what what needs to happen and whether or not it be in Panama or whether that be here in the in the US and in Kansas for that matter to to get people together on the same level and to just share that common experience of community of moving of of doing something for for more than just yourself and then getting to incorporate my own faith within that that's yeah so Panama Panama has changed me more than I will ever I think understand. Do you think Blink First, which briefly describe Blink First, refresh people's memories? So Blink First is a nonprofit organization, and we um, use performing arts and um, arts in general to to build community and um, just introduce people or build their own personal faith, whatever that may be. Okay, through the arts. Through the arts. Community, the arts, and faith. Yeah. All tied together. Mm -hmm. And I always had this pet theory that I picked this up from other people, that the happiest people are doing something that came from their childhood. Hmm. And here you're doing um, community, and you're doing dance, and you're doing the arts, mm -hmm. and you're doing faith, and you're winding all these things together. And maybe it all culminated when you were 15, and now we have Blink First. And so I, I guess I'm seeing you do something that, that's just always been with you yeah. in your life. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it seems like all these things would go back to like about age three or four or something <laughs> like that. They really would. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's just humbling to see how my life has just been, been shaped over time. And I could have not done this on my own power to, to put all these things together. It's, it, it's totally, I, I owe all of that to God. Did you know it when you were 15 and you were doing these classes? Did you just, I don't know, wake up one night, like your 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 eyelashes just like shooting open like umbrellas yeah. and just like, oh my gosh, I have to do something like Blink First. You know what's crazy is that I actually, and this is one of the only times I've ever actually experienced a vision, but I was sitting in a church service. We were singing songs in Spanish. I, did, I was... I was just mouthing things and making noises. Okay. <laughs> but um, I just had this this vision, very much so like a daydream of this um, performing arts school going up in, in this village where I was. And from there, I just, I knew that that was something that God was telling me. Maybe it wasn't a physical location for a school, but it, it was a place where, where people would come together and be educated in the performing arts and just gather. So I, it was very clearly, I remember, I remember what I was wearing, I remember where I was sitting, and, and that was the point where I said, I, I can't dance anymore just for myself, I have to dance for, for everybody else. So. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's sort of like, I don't know, in a certain respect, maybe a turning point of your life. Absolutely. Just a culminating moment. Yeah, absolutely was. Uh, Panama. What is something about Panama that people would just never guess? Ooh. It's, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's, it's very laid back. The people are very laid back in a way. Um, we would joke sometimes um, that, that people would run on Panamanian time and that basically means you say something at 2 o'clock, they will show up 2.30, whenever, and it's no big deal. So, I mean, of course, people will set schedules, but it's, yeah, people are just really laid back and whatever happens, happens. Okay. So. Say la vie. Say la vie. Yeah, yeah life is good. Yeah. Life is good. Let's step back and look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. I, I guess, uh, so just kind of a few random questions. If somebody did offer you $5 million, but you had to live in Panama, the Netherlands, or India for a year, I feel like I know where you're going to answer, but, but which one? I would choose Panama, yeah. <laughs> okay. I told you I would live there for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. So $5 million, that's just a blessing. <laughs> okay, okay. I think there's going to be a certain age that you hit. Who knows mm -hmm. what that will be? And you're going to realize, hey, I should move to Panama now. And maybe. You know, I, like maybe yeah. the second half of your life type of a thing. Could be. Yeah, we'll wait to see. I've, I've got a husband to convince too, so. Right. Has he been to Panama? <laughs> he has. He's been a couple of times. Um, and the Play thing he will tell you, he doesn't like the hot. So. Okay. Yeah, that'll be definitely a, a deciding factor for us. It is very hot there, mm. very humid. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe half of the year. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's now it's it's far enough off the equator that they probably have seasons. Oh, just the rainy and dry. So it pretty okay. much does maintain a pretty consistent temperature throughout the year. But okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like when people travel, sometimes one goal is to learn more about yourself. But mm -hmm. what have you learned about yourself through these experiences? So I grew up thinking that I was a very independent person, and I pride, I prided myself a lot on, on this idea of being independent, but when you go to other places, you learn that as much as you think you can do on your own, you really, <laughs> you, you fail sometimes and you can't do it. Um, I remember being in Berlin, and I was so lost, I couldn't figure out which, because everything was in German, right, I couldn't figure out which train to get on. And I just had to stop in the middle of the station, and I looked like, I'm sure, a, a wreck, a damsel in distress, if you will. And somebody very kind walked up to me, and they asked me, like, are you lost? And I said, yes, I am lost. Thank you so much. Um, and so learning to, to kind of trust those people around you and finding humanity is mm. the good in humanity. Um, and... I guess for myself, learning that I can depend on other people is important. Um, I don't always like to travel alone. I like to, to be with other people just for, again, as a, as a woman, I, I like to be <laughs> with, with another person. Um, but yeah, learning that you don't have to do everything in your own power is, is really, that's an important thing that I've, I've discovered through traveling. Kind of a monumental thing, and then I guess also maybe learning to ask for help. Yeah, is part learning of it. to ask for help has been a huge, huge thing that I have learned. Um, I used to never ask for help until I would get in situations where it was 
I would either not move anywhere or I would try to get back home, you know? Right. <laughs> and you have to ask for help in those situations. Right, so. right. Yeah. Do it early rather than late. Absolutely. In the situation. Yeah. Uh, biggest culture shock experience you think you've ever had? Oh, biggest culture shock experience ever. Yes, going abroad. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, I know that there's there's a lot. Maybe I shouldn't ask for the biggest one. Biggest one. Just one big one? Yeah. So here's a funny story. I know we didn't talk about Ethiopia very much, but this I just want, <laughs> I want to put this in there. Okay. Um, they have a, a very interesting way of eating. So if you've never been to an Ethiopia restaurant, you should definitely go because their food is just fantastic. I love it. Um, I definitely don't get to eat it enough, but the spices in it, it, it's so good. But the way that they eat it, um, there is this bread called injera, and it's um, almost spongy, and it's rolled up into a little roll, like a, a flatbread, and then you roll it out, and you tear a piece off, and then you use your hands to scoop up um, some of the sauce or, or curry or, or whatever it is that you're eating. Um, but my, and this is somebody from my trip, they were out at a, a meal, and they had this bread in front of them, and they had no idea what this was. They thought it was a hand towel, because it looked like a little washcloth just rolled up. So he took this this injera, he started wiping his hands with it, and it was just... Hilarious. It was hilarious. So, um, yeah, I think that food food is such a huge part of culture. Yeah. Um, so just the, the shock, I, I think, oftentimes will just come from seeing new flavors or seeing things that you've never thought that you could eat before, um, just from, from all over. What is the most exotic or weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? Oh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> and you know what's sad? My first thought was beets. I hate beets. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, outside of beets, um, I, I've definitely tried some parts of animals that I, I just would never think before, like chicken feed or, or mm. things like that. And um, that was <laughs> that was with my friend from Taiwan when we were in um, Rotterdam. She introduced me a lot to some Taiwanese foods as well, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm not an unadventurous eater, but I, I do like to know what I'm eating, so it's, it's hard for me when somebody puts something in front of me. And, and, and you're like, what is that? Yeah, and they won't tell me, and they're like, just try it. And then I do, and oh, yeah, I would prefer not to eat chicken feet, but yeah. I'd assume that'd be like chewing on a bone or something. It's not my favorite, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, what... About culture shock coming back home. Mm -hmm. You come back to America and, I don't know, just what do you learn about America or what do you learn about yourself? You know, um, and some, something that I experienced just coming back home. So, something I love about travel, I'll start there, is that you get to escape a little bit from the, the ordinary, Right. So coming back home, you find really quickly that it's easy to fall back into that ordinary. Mm. So I find myself picking up my phone more and just kind of scrolling whatnot on Facebook, okay. on Instagram, something like this. And when I'm traveling, I am never on my phone. I, I'm not a big picture taker either, so I, I really don't ever have it. And it's so freeing. So coming back home, I just find myself sinking into those habits 
that I just kind of hate about myself. Yeah. Where I'm just indulged into um, just technology or just things that are wasting my time. And I, I don't get to, or I don't remember to, to take the time to breathe and like look up and appreciate the color of the sky all the time, um, like I do when I'm traveling. So That's pretty powerful that it's just kind of easy to come back and just yeah. fall into... What, I was in Guatemala for 10 days, mm-hmm. and then when I came back and arriving at the airport, um, I just looked at all the streamlined, you know, things and just the gray walls and just, you know, everything being straight lines, etc. And I just thought, well, it's time to be in America again. Yeah, yeah. Just a big shift. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge shift. And yeah, and I think that would go from for anybody traveling from anywhere. Anytime you go back to your home, it's just comfort yeah and yeah I remember asking a guy in Guatemala he had said oh he'd spent a whole bunch of time in Minnesota Mm -hmm. you know where I mean those are the nicest people in the United States and they're just (laughs) really really friendly and great and all that and uh, I said what are people in the United States like Mm -hmm. and he said crazy he said you were all crazy yeah so that's funny. I, I heard very similar things, um, specifically when I was in um, Hungary and U- Europe, I suppose, uh, the Netherlands as well. They all said that Americans were just loud. That was right. their, they had one, no, two words, loud and tacky. Loud <laughs> and tacky. And they appreciated me because they said I was not loud and less tacky. I wasn't not tacky, but I was less tacky. So I, I found that to be a very nice compliment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and, and this guy that I met said that everything moves so fast mm-hmm. and that we basically sleep at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, human nature, what has traveling taught you about human nature? It's taught me that it really doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, people are people. People have different cultures, but everybody has a soul, and yeah, everybody truly has the same values. They value family, they value um, love, they they want peace, everybody wants the same thing. So it's, yeah, foods change, locations change, but people just are people. So it's kind of like the styles change, like the clothing changes. Absolutely. And things like that. Yeah. Language will change, but I don't know, a human being is a human being. Okay, it's beautiful. Um, some financial advice. So if somebody wants to travel, you've been to all these places, uh, what's the, the cheap way to go? The cheap way to go. So I'll speak specifically um, about Europe. Um, if you are in Europe, the most expensive thing that you're going to do is your ticket from America to Europe. From there, you can get anywhere for not that much Um Within within reason, right? If you're gonna go to like, I don't know, I'm looking Russia. That that's a lot further, so you're gonna have to probably pay a little bit more. But <laughs> if you're in Western Europe, go cheap flights. So there's Ryanair, there's EasyJet, there's all of these like super low budget airlines that you can book something the day of, and it's it's perfect. So being flexible is super important as well if you want to find great deals. Um, accommodations. I highly recommend Airbnb. Okay. If you find a good one. I mean, um, when I was in Hungary, we did Airbnb all the time. And if you can find friends to travel with, that is also really important. Not only will they possibly take you on road trips in their car, 
you don't have to pay for, <laughs> for, right. for any travel like that, but you can also share rooms and it just, everybody splits one room and, and it's um, a quarter of the cost for you. Um, yeah. Eating, um, you can go out to restaurants every night or supermarkets are super fun to explore and you can get like a baguette and like a chunk of cheese for... And then what? You can make yourself like six sandwiches instead of paying for one. <laughs> right. So absolutely. Yeah, go out, grab some food from the supermarket, and have a picnic. It's it's equally as enjoyable, if not more so, because you're making memories um, through all of that. Um, so that's yeah. Europe, and that'll get you twenty twenty five countries for pretty cheap. Yeah, and, absolutely. And Trains. We took an overnight train. That was a fun deal. We saved on um, not only the the traveling there but also an accommodation so yeah there are fun ways to to do that um tips for either panama or india yeah so um panama and india are a little bit different from from my point of view just because i traveled with a group so um a lot of the expenses were covered based upon that but um if again <laughs> you tend to if, if you're doing it how, how i am and going with a group you will split meal costs. You will share rooms together. So a lot of it is just about um, not being, not don't go on your own, right? The more people that you have, not only the more fun it's going to be, but the more financially able you're going to be able to do things. It's really the best of all worlds. Yeah. You know, it's cheaper and it's more fun. Yeah, absolutely. And probably somebody's been there, so they'll know the good things to do. Right, right. Yeah, you get a tour guide in there. Okay, um, let's give a little bit of advice to people. Suppose you met somebody who's, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 22. She reminds you of yourself, and she has the opportunity to travel cheaply. Where would you go, or excuse me, where would you tell her to go? Oh, goodness. So there are so many places in the world that I have been, but also that I want to go. Um, one of the places I do really want to go is Taiwan. <laughs> Not only do I have a couple of good friends there, yeah. but that's just a part of the world I have never explored. And the food I love, um, the nature there I've heard is just absolutely breathtaking. So if she could make it to Taiwan, I would say go. <laughs> if she could make it to um, Central America, I think mm. that's a really nice place to, to backpack. If you go through Costa Rica, Nicaragua, you can get some nice hostels for not very um, cheap. And within the hostels, of course, you have to be careful and be smart. But you can find rooms. If you're a woman and you're traveling alone, you can stay in women-only um, dormitories, things like this. Um, food is cheap and people are generally friendly. I would always recommend to women, I would never, ever travel alone. But if you do, just just make sure that you're, you're really smart. Okay. Okay. Um, let's say somebody can't travel. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, I don't know, they have a sick relative that they need to take care of, or just for whatever reason, they just can't travel yeah. for maybe the next five years. Mm -hmm. Um, can I get the same experiences somehow within 50 miles of where I live? Yes, absolutely. So How do I do that? It's, <laughs> it might not be the same. So I'm in Kansas, right? I might not get the ocean experience, but I, I believe that there's so much power in just stepping outside of your own front yard, so to speak. If you go to a place that you've never explored, you have the attitude of, of traveling, right? And um, 
say I want to go to the Flint Hills. It's not that far. <laughs> I go and I get to see the beauty of the sun just coming up over the Flint Hills. And yeah, I, for me, travel is so much, again, about the, the process of traveling and not so much about the arrival of being at that destination. So grab a, a close friend or, or a stranger if you want to <laughs> make better friends and then just go explore a place that neither of you have been. A small town, a, a go camping, I don't know. There, there are so many great things that you could do in the alternatives. Or reading books is excellent as well. So It's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Well, I guess my last question today is, let's take you again to the age of 100. Good age. So you're on the front porch and your husband Nathan is holding your hand and you are surrounded by children and grandchildren and pets. And uh, somebody says, where are the best places to go, Grandma? And why should I go there? Mm. What do you say? Oh, I would say, in my memory... <laughs> I'll be a little bit cheesy here, but the best places I have ever been have been with Nathan, my husband. Um, and it's really, really is, if you are with good company, you will make the best of memories. Um, be by the ocean. <laughs> the ocean is just a source of power that I will never be able to understand. So go to the ocean if you've never been there. And yeah, go somewhere where the sky is open as well. Like the Netherlands is flat. It's known for being flat, but it is just, it's really flat. Go to where you can't see the end of, end of the sky. Um, yeah, but just, just go somewhere. I think it's really important to just not get stuck and step outside of your comfort zone. It's beautiful. Beautifully said. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. This was absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Seemingly Ordinary. The biggest favor you could do for me would be for you to share this episode far and wide. Until next time.